We've been tra traveling over the last couple of weeks. We left, uh, preached on the 15th and 16th, worked for a couple of days, got in an airplane, flew to California with my daughter and my wife to look at a couple of schools down there. Ken is getting into that stage. It was 72 degrees when we left Sacramento, California. We flew to, Cal uh, flew to Washington State where it was 42 degrees where we got off of the plane, worked for a day, then got on an airplane, flew to Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada to speak at a, at a conference center up in there. When we got off the plane, it was minus 42 degrees Fahrenheit. In case you don't know, that's cold, okay? That's unbelievably cold. And then we got storm stayed in Manitoba, got storm stayed in Calgary, trying to get out of this winter blizzard. And I saw people get squeezed with pressure and tension. And it reminded me of something. People are a lot like tea bags, okay? Yeah, stick with me, all right? You never know how strong they are until you drop them in hot water, okay? Pressure and stress reveal the true character of a person. When you get squeezed, what comes dripping out of your soul, that's the real you. That should scare some of you deeply, okay? I have found that if you want to purposely find out what you're made of, that there are three activities that you can involve yourself in that will truly reveal the condition of your soul. And the three activities are driving at any hour of the day in Seattle, Washington, That'll do it for you, okay? Being stranded in Calgary, Alberta, standing in front of a screen in an airport that says all flights are canceled forever, okay? That will put pressure into you and trying to put up crown molding in your house, okay? You've never done that before? Try it. You will pray to Jesus in a different way, okay? All right? All three of these activities will challenge your soul, test your spirit, and allow you to engage on an amazing journey of self-discovery. They will expose how strong you are or how weak you are. And as we continue this series called The Freeway, we're going to find out how self-discovery, how what we can learn about ourselves is one of the steps that God wants us to take us on as we move into this wonderful world called freedom with one understanding. Let's put the assumption at the base of all of it. The only way to experience true freedom as a human being is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen on Sunday morning, okay? So as we walk through this series, we're going to look at areas of strength and weakness and how we can discover that about ourselves and then address them in God's power and see how that can transform our lives. So 700 years before Jesus shows up, prophet Isaiah says these words, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two wings, they covered their feet. With two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. That is an amazing passage of scripture, unless you're King Uzziah. Think about it for a second, right? What does it say at the very beginning? In the year that King Uzziah died... I had this amazing experience. That's what Isaiah says. I mean, it's good for everybody except for King Uzziah. I mean, I don't want anyone to associate anything good with the year that I die. I mean, I hope somewhere down the road, somebody will, will never say, man, the year that Grant Fishbook kicked the bucket, that was a good year for me. You know, that was awesome. I mean, just think about it for a second. So we hear about King Uzziah's death, famous passage of scripture, but what about his life? What about his life? Let's go to the white pages of our Bible, 2 Chronicles chapter 26, okay? Don't pretend you did your devotions there this morning because we know it's not true, all right? All the way to the left in your Bible, 2 Chronicles 26, your Bible comes with a table of contents. Don't be afraid to use it. It's all good, okay? And we're going to walk through Uzziah's life, okay? 
We're going to walk through Uzziah's life together and see how he discovers his own spiritual strength and weakness, okay? So 2 Chronicles chapter 26, we're going to start in the very first verse. It says, then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the place of his father Amaziah. He was the one who rebuilt Elath and restored it to Judah after Amaziah rested with his ancestors. Okay, get the picture. A nation is now under the leadership of a 16-year-old kid. That freak anybody else out? Okay. Remember how mature you were when you were 16 years old? Okay. So you've got a 16-year-old kid, and you would think the whole place would just fall apart. But that's not what happens. Because this 16-year-old kid begins a process of self-discovery about these beautiful things that God places into his life. And I think we can learn a lot from this guy. Let's walk through it together. Uzziah, right off the get-go, discovered the power of creating his own legacy. Okay. Amaziah, was Uzziah's father, okay? And if you flip back just one page in your Bible, you're going to find this comment about Uzziah's dad, okay? It says, he, Amaziah, Uzziah's father, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not wholeheartedly. Okay, let's learn this, all right? Let's learn this. A half-hearted father was no excuse for Uzziah, And that should mean something. For you and me, it means if you had half-hearted parents or no-hearted parents, that's not an excuse for you to not be wholehearted in your pursuit of God. In fact, I would say this. If every generation before you did not worship Jesus, be the first generation to follow Jesus with a complete whole heart. It's time for us to stop blaming everything on the generation in front of us and instead walk wholeheartedly as first-generation followers of Christ. Okay, your family of origin had a deep effect on you, but they do not define you. So if you're the first-gen person in your family to follow Jesus, follow Him with a whole heart. I mean, Uzziah had a half-hearted father, and yet he still followed God with full passion. I mean, I put it this way in your outline. If half-hearted parents can produce whole-hearted children, imagine what whole-hearted parents could produce with God's help. I mean, just think about that. Let's keep going. Even though Uzziah's father was half-hearted in his devotion... Uzziah discovered the power of holy obedience. Verse 3, 2 Chronicles 26. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother's name was Jechaliah. She was from Jerusalem. Verse 4, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Let me say it again. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Say it with me. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. I mean, Uzziah was not his own moral compass. He was not his own standard when it came to making decisions. He did not define what was right and what was wrong. No, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, which means God was his moral compass. God was his standard. God was the one who defined for him what was right and what was wrong. Some of us actually believe so arrogantly that we get to decide what's right and wrong for us. Can I tell you the problem with that? Scripture says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Can I just tell you, I mean, God is the definer of what is right and what is wrong. That's why God says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Your own understanding is going to lead you in the completely wrong direction. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Let's keep going. Uzziah discovered the power of mentoring. Verse 5, it says, he sought God during the days of Zechariah who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. Uzziah had a mentor. 
Okay? A man who taught him how to fear God, how to approach God with respect and with honor. Let me ask you a question. Do you have somebody in your life who can teach you how to respectfully and lovingly approach God? Now, I'm going to tell you, they are not easy to find. They're not easy to find. They're often too humble to think that they qualify as a mentor. So if you want to go find a mentor, you will often find them serving obscurely in some capacity. They usually are serving humbly out of the limelight, and they usually have a gentleness about them that only comes from discovering that their life is all about Jesus and not about them. They're hard to find, but they're worth pursuing. They're worth asking. In fact, let me tell you this. If somebody ever shows up in your life and says, God told me to mentor you, run. If, God, if someone ever shows up and says, I believe God has told me to have biblical authority over your life, and you need to do what I say as I point, no, 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 no. Mentorship always comes from the platform of humility. Let's keep going. Uzziah discovered the power of conflict, okay? Some of you aren't going to like this one, but this is what the verse says. He went to a war against the Philistines and broke down the walls of Gath, Jabna, and Ashdod. He then rebuilt towns near Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabs who lived in Gerbal and against the Meunites. The Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah and his fame spread as far as the border of Egypt because he had become very, very powerful. I'd love to claim this next line, but I can't. I'll give credit to Pastor Matt Chandler. He said it this way, piety is not passivity. Sometimes you've got to go to war when God tells you to go to war. Sometimes you've got to declare war on your own apathy. Sometimes you've got to go to battle against your own selfishness. Sometimes you've got to fight the grip of an addiction, and you have to fight dirty in order to allow God to break that stuff all over you. Sometimes you've got to go to war for the sake of holiness and what is right and what is wrong. Some of us have just, we've settled into this passive existence and Uzziah was called out by God and he said, you need me to go to war? I'll go to war. Sometimes you've got to fight for your family and fight for what's right. Let's keep going. Uzziah discovered the power of innovation. I'm just going to read this next six verses to you. I want you to listen to all of the verbs, the active stuff that Uzziah was doing as he continued to discover everything that God had poured into him. Verse 9, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, and at the angle of the wall, and he fortified them. He also built towers in the wilderness and dug many cisterns because he had much livestock in the foothills and in the plain. He had people working his fields and vineyards in the hills and in the fertile lands, for he loved the soil. Uzziah had a well-trained army, ready to go out by divisions according to their numbers, as mustered by Jael, the secretary, and Maasa, the officer, under the direction of Hananiah, one of the royal officials. And the total number of family leaders over the fighting men was 26 And under their command was an army of 307,500 men trained for war, a powerful force to support the king against his enemies. And Uzziah provided shields and spears and helmets and coats of armor and bows and sling stones for the entire army. Stop there for a second. If you don't think this is a man's man, listen to this next verse. In Jerusalem, he made machines. Devices invented for use on the towers and on the corner defenses so that the soldiers could shoot arrows and hurl large stones from the walls. Yes! Mm, Right? It's a man's man. 
That hurt. Okay, so. <laughs> listen to these words again, okay? It says he built. What elements of holiness and devotion are you building into your spiritual journey right now? Or are you just being the passive one? It says he fortified. Where are the areas inside of your family that you're fortifying right now with faith steps and prayer? Where are you protecting and fortifying your marriage? Where are you fortifying and protecting the growth of your children? It says he dug. How are you strategically and purposefully digging into the Word of God every single day, knowing that that is life for those of us who follow Jesus? It says he planted What relationships are you seeding into with the purpose of sharing Jesus? Who's coming into your home this afternoon that you can share Jesus with? It says, he loved the soil. I like that little line. Garrett Byman is and always will be an elder at Christ the King Community Church. Garrett's an amazing man. He had a stroke about five months ago. He's been at home recovering. A couple of summers ago, I was working on a backyard project. I built kind of a fire pit and flagstone and stuff, and Garrett helped me put it in my backyard. One day, we're sitting on my back porch, and, and, and Garrett's a wise man. And I said, you know, Garrett, give me something to hang on to. for the Give me some wisdom from an older man to a younger man. Tell me, how do you do this thing called life? I expected this deep theological answer. You know what he said? Never get too far from dirt. You think about that. You humble yourself and you kneel on soil that does not belong to you. And you remember that He is God and you are not. You stay low. You stay humble. You are never higher than His feet. You work hard. You use your hands. You embrace the fact that sometimes there's something holy about good old-fashioned hard work. You say attached to the ground because that ground is a gift from the God who created it. He loved the soil. It says he provided. Who are you providing for? Spiritually, physically. If your answer is nobody, I'm all about myself, man, time for a gut check. Finally, it says he made what are you making? You're making a fat bank account? You're spending your life creating a long-term retirement plan so you can just put up your feet? I met a 72-year-old guy in California. He said, at 70 years old, I did not retire. I rewired. That's just good, solid truth. What are you creating that will last for an eternity? See, Isaiah is working hard in every area of his life, and his life is summarized with these words. His fame and spread far and wide, and he was greatly helped until he became powerful. He was greatly helped. Can I ask a question? When was the last time you acknowledged to God you've been greatly helped? You didn't build your company. God built your company. When was the last time you just stopped and said, I have been greatly helped? You have a family that loves you. God helped you. Yeah, I got one or two amens, yeah? God has helped. If you're breathing today, you have been greatly, greatly helped. When was the last time we just stopped and said, God, I have been greatly helped? In the first portion of his life, Uzziah discovered the beauty of humility. Let me read it again. His fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped. 
until he became powerful. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall, and he was unfaithful to the Lord. There's two powerful little commas that indicate before and after in that verse. He was greatly helped. He got prosperous in everything that he did, comma, until he became powerful. He was an amazingly educated, smart man, comma, and then his pride led to his downfall. The first part of his life, he discovers the beauty of humility. In the last portion of his life, Uzziah discovers the pain of arrogance. Let me read, starting at verse 16. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall, and he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Stop there. He's a king. His job is to rule the nation. He's not a priest. He had no business being in God's temple at that moment doing that job. But Uzziah was powerful because he thought, I'm the king. I do whatever I want to. It's my kingdom. Verse 17, Azariah the priest with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord followed him in. And they confronted King Uzziah and said, it's not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That's for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary. You have been unfaithful. You will not be honored by the Lord God. We need to understand, these 80 courageous priests were taking their life into their hands by opposing a king and saying, you don't get to do this job not your role. Verse 19, Uzziah had a censer in his hand ready to burn incense, and he became angry. And while he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy broke out on his forehead. When Azariah, the chief priest, and all the other priests looked at him, they saw leprosy on his forehead, so they hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave, (laughs) you think? Because the Lord had afflicted him. King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died, and he lived in a separate house, leprous, and banned from the temple of the Lord. And his son had charge of the palace and governed the people of the land. The other events of Uzziah's reign from beginning to end are recorded by the prophet Isaiah. Anybody remember who we read from at the beginning of the message? There's the tie-in for you. Uzziah rested with his ancestors and was buried near them. That's important in a cemetery that belonged to the kings, for people said he had leprosy. Uzziah became arrogant. He knew he was a king, but he overstepped his role, and God opposed him. Let's not pretend we don't do exactly the same thing when we think, this is pretty much my little kingdom, it's my little life, I can do whatever I want to. The Bible has words to those of us who are so arrogant to think that we have become king of our own universe. The Bible says God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble, the people who never get too far from dirt. Uzziah does the work of a priest. They call him out and God strikes him with leprosy. Some of you would look at that and say, that's harsh. You know what? You don't mess with God's purpose and God's plan. Because it's God's purpose and God's plan. He's struck with leprosy and it's the sign of his arrogance for the rest of his life. You know, it's really, really difficult to talk about pride, you know, because anytime you make the announcement, you know, I think I've got a handle on pride, you, you're out, right? Hard to talk about pride and quantify it. It's, it's not as difficult to talk about and quantify arrogance. How do you know you're arrogant? 
Let me give you a quick list. You know you're arrogant when you believe you're the reason for your own success. When God is relegated to your co-pilot and you believe your kingdom is yours to do with as you please, in that moment you are arrogant and God opposes you. You're arrogant when you refuse to, to fulfill the purpose that God gave to you. When your plan is more important than God's plan and your plan is all about somehow bringing glory to yourself, got bad news for you. You're arrogant. You're arrogant when you respond negatively to godly confrontation. When a godly person calls you out and they're right, now they're not always right, but when a godly person calls you out and your first thought is defensiveness and self-justification and you react with, who do you think you are? In that moment, you're arrogant. When you see people as obstacles, the Bible says Uzziah raged against the priests. When people become inconveniences and interruptions, you're arrogant. And when you can't admit your own affliction, you can't see your own leprosy, you're arrogant. Uzziah started off unbelievably well. First part of his life, amazing. If you want to be like somebody, be like him in the first part of his life. But somewhere on his journey towards freedom, in everything that God had for him, he took an off-ramp of arrogance. And it cost him. The Bible says he ended up in a field near where the kings were. He didn't even get to be buried in the field with the kings. That teaches us something. When it comes to graveyards, there's not much difference between a king and a leper. We should probably remember that. He never realized everything that God had for him because he took an off-road of arrogance. You know, I believe the most profound act of arrogance that a human being can participate in is when we declare, I don't need God, I'm fine on my own. The Bible says Uzziah was prospered when he followed God with all of his heart, when he acknowledged that he'd been greatly helped. He went wrong when he became arrogant and decided, I'm the king of my own kingdom, thank you very much. You know, if nothing else comes out of this weekend, my prayer is that all of us will come face to face with our own level of arrogance. Maybe you're here this weekend, you didn't expect to have an encounter with Jesus. I mean, you just wanted to go to church, do your hour, and get onto the chicken wings. I get it. But maybe you're the one person in the room today who God has confronted with your own arrogance. And now the God of all the universe is standing in front of you saying, do you really think you're the king? Are you really so arrogant as to believe that this universe is all about you? And my prayer is that if you're having that conversation in your heart right now, that you would never get too far from dirt. And that you'd have the same moment that I had 30-some years ago when I fell on my face in front of God and said, God, I need help. I have messed this up. This is all about me, and it's empty, and there's no freedom here at all. My prayer is that in this moment today that you will have that humble moment when you fall on your face before God and you say, God, I need you as my king. 
my Lord, my Savior. For those of you who already know Jesus, maybe this morning's moment is for you to come face to face with Jesus and realize you've taken a little bit of that glory back for yourself and you're operating in a role that God did not create you for and you're overstepping your bounds and maybe we need to have a moment of repentance today when we come before God and say, God, humble me again because I don't want you to oppose me. That's a tough moment. Christ the King, be Uzziah in the beginning. Don't be Uzziah at the end. Would you pray with me this morning as we close? Father God, in this moment, this holy moment, I pray for any person in the room who does not know Jesus as personal Savior. And I pray right now, in the quietness of their heart, that they would kneel before the King and say, God, save me. You are the king of my life. I declare you as sovereign over me. And humbly I come and ask that you would forgive my sin, heal my heart, and adopt you into my, your family. God, I'm done living for myself. Today I want to live for you. So Lord, forgive me and heal me, help me, and wipe away the leprosy of my own sin and arrogance. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer today, we believe that you've begun a journey of transformation that will lead to freedom because Jesus is the King of freedom. And if you prayed that prayer this morning in your heart, and truly meant it. I'd, I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you, but I'd love to pray for you this week. Would you just slip your hand up in the air so that I could see it? God bless you and you. God bless you. God bless you and you. God bless you and you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Welcome to the family of God. You're in good company. Just a bunch of broken people walking in the direction of the cross. We're so glad you're part of our family. Father God, for my brothers and sisters who know you, but we've taken glory back for ourselves, would you forgive us for our arrogance? God, may we never be higher than your feet and never be too far from dirt. Lord, we want to be like Uzziah in the first part of his life not in the end. It's not about how we start, God, it's how we finish. So would you help us? Thank you for this moment together as a family. Bring our hearts back to you, God, we pray. In Jesus' name.